This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pas pensé que c'est ton style. This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? It's Sunday, May 30th. On today's show, we have a very special guest, Kamar Aiken, UCF alum, wide receiver for the Patriots, Ravens, Colts, and Eagles. Great interview with him. We also talk about Charge On Tour, got a little scheduling update. We debate Danny White's home-and-home scheduling philosophy. Did it hurt us? Did it not? Also, a little Knights vs. Citronaut mascot debate. A little Built by UCF update. Go over, you know, what happened in the draft, obviously. Like always, Moo's Mailbag, where we answer all your questions. Speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo, UCF, has a school record five players drafted to the NFL. Baseball, playing for the conference tournament as this is being recorded, and 100% capacity is announced in the bounce house for the 2021 football season. Can't I, wait. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I can't wait. Um, 2020 pretty much didn't happen, in my opinion. I'd like to think our home win streak is still intact since I got broken last year. I don't know. So, yeah, I guess let, let's start off with that. 100% capacity at the bounce house. What are your thoughts? I just need anything to get the bad taste out of my mouth from the last time that we stepped onto the field over there in the Boca Bowl. Um, but, yeah, 100% capacity. Couldn't be happier. I think that the new energy, the Gus Bus. Uh, head coach Gus Malzahn has brought to the program and just a huge breath of fresh air and excitement from kind of a season where, yeah, we lost Danny White. That was a blow. It was a less than stellar, or I would say it wasn't up to our standards or the hype of last year uh, that we had coming into it. And then no kind of just the, <laughs> yeah, kind of just the, the cherry on top to a season that we'd really like to forget was a Boca Bowl. Um, so yeah, really, really, everything's looking up. Wait, was the cherry on top hypo going to Tennessee? <laughs> sure. I mean, think about it. Hypo aside, we were not as a fan base like morale was down overall. COVID obviously was a huge factor. You know, the season was a letdown, the bowl game, whatever. You know, we didn't have a bunch of guys on defense. I know, heard that excuse before. Um, but, you know, Gus has come in and re-energized the fan base. It's crazy how it all works out. This is another one of those, like, what if George didn't step down and all that stuff happened type thing. But it's crazy because we were past the coaching carousel thing that normally happens right before bowl games we thought we were gonna have hypo coming into this year and any potential coaches had already kind of taken their new jobs for the most part and then the Tennessee thing happens Danny White leaves you know we kind of got over that and then obviously the final parting gift of of taking Josh hypo but enough of that Gus comes in and man I'm I'm just so excited and you know 
I went to the first Charge On Tour stop in Fort Lauderdale, got to meet Gus, had a nice little conversation, uh, talked a little bit about, you know, getting back to some run concepts and uh, some motion and misdirection. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to see all that. So <laughs> that was uh, that was awesome. But, you know, it, all of this couldn't have come at a better time going back to 100% capacity, but not just that. A regular season, you know, everything's getting back to normal, and uh, it, it just—it it really is perfect timing. New coach, you know, pack bounce house. We're actually going to have home field advantage. I can't wait. It's less than a hundred days till the Boise State game. Speaking of that Boise State game, they have since announced some of the game times, which is a little surprising for some of the games to have the times out so much in advance. Which is good for... uh, It's great for planning, traveling. Yeah, for planning purposes and us out-of-towners for going to the game. So we kind of had a good idea that Boise was going to be on a Thursday. So I've already taken Thursday and Friday off. Cha-ching. All right. I think this will be my first weekday game that I'll be able to attend. I'm excited for it. Uh, Obviously, you know, for a lot of people... Even you, people with regular jobs that don't have that much flexibility, the weekday games are are awful. But from a marketing and brand recognition standpoint, I mean, we're gonna take all the all the games we can get when there's not much competition. Being kickoff week, like everybody is going to be watching their school on that first Saturday, whenever they're playing. Later in the season they might not watch, you know. Michigan State, if they're three and six, and maybe they'll tune into UCF. But that first weekend, everyone's watching their team. We're not competing with that, playing on the Thursday night. I think there's one other game, and it's not on ESPN. And obviously, the, you know, Boise was kind of the the first G5. You know, they had the big Fiesta Bowl thing uh, back in 06, 07. They were kind of the first ones to pave the way for the G5, MY6. And then we obviously repeated that with the Peach Bowl, and it's great now we finally get to play them. Uh, So this is a great matchup. I think a lot of people are going to be interested and tuning in. And then obviously, being the first week of football, it's football on a Thursday night. Who isn't going to watch it? So I personally love it. I understand it's inconvenient for some people, but... You know, it's it's the best for our brand to get us out there, and uh, I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, I am as well. So we also have some opening game lines come out for Boise State and Game of the Year Cincinnati. Now, if you take the power rankings from the end of last year, is what I'll be using since we don't have much data to go on. The Cincinnati game right now, they have Cincinnati minus seven. And I have that closer to minus eight, minus nine. So that's about right. However, you'd have to think we're going to be a little bit better than last year at the end of the year. And Cincinnati didn't really lose a whole lot of people. They lost some defensive people. But as you know, Desmond Ritter and then that giant tight end guy that burnt us. But he's coming back too. Sick. <laughs> hey, it's out of here. Ho! Give the, uh, by the way, we're watching the UCF-USF uh, conference championship game right now. USF was up 6-0, bottom third, and... This was an absolute bomb shot, dude. In the Frenchies. Josh Crouch. Oh, we got Not another Alex one! Really. Deep! Oh, on the warning track. All right, anyway. <laughs> All right, you must be like one second 
two seconds in front of me. Oh, I'll pause mine real quick. <laughs> All right, betting. Uh, Cincinnati game. So, yeah, they have Cincinnati minus seven. I have closer to minus eight, minus nine. Way too early in advance to take any of these, but it's kind of just something to talk about and debate. Yeah. Uh, my let me see Boise. Ten's what was the line for the Boise State? I saw minus 10. I will be in Vegas starting tomorrow, and I'm going to go around to some casinos and try and get some, you know, the usual national champions, Dylan Gabriel, Heisman. Uh, you know, put a hundred bucks on a couple of those and see if I can get any of these lines. Um, tens a lot. Ten. I have closer to eight, but it's not terrible. It's so tough when you have, I mean, not just a whole new season, but a whole new coaching staff. I mean, this team is going to look completely different. Not even mentioning the fact that we lost like half of our guys to the NFL, and we have some guys coming back too, and also a ton of huge transfer. I mean, there's so there's so much up in the air. Uh. Yeah, I think we win by 17. Just totally uh, <laughs> no, no, no statistical analysis to back that. Just a little home team bias right there. But uh, hey, I'm glad we're talking about this stuff again. It uh, feels nice. Yeah. Also, in some scheduling news, we set up a home and home series with FAU Ooh. starting next year. Moose favorite away game destination. Dope. <laughs> All right, so where's the first game? Is it in – oh, no. Oh, dang it. That's next year. We have to go to Boca. Yeah, and then 2025 is at home, but I think they intentionally did it 2025 to leave some spots open in the years prior for maybe some other kind of, you know, Power 5 matchup. Who knows? I do know that in 2023 we'll all be going to Boise. At Boise. Seems like a cheap flight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We also play BYU at home that year, which is a little revenge game. Zach Wilson, uh, he sucks. He's not going to be good on the Jets, I think. He also looks like he's 12. No offense to 12-year-olds or whatever. (laughs) So I kind of go back to Danny White's scheduling philosophy of only wanting these home-and-home one-for-one games now and you look out past 21 season i can't remember exactly how many games that we had to fill but there is a decent amount yeah so we're at um 2022 we're fine we've got louisville and georgia tech at home actually so we'll be rooting for those teams to do well this season so hopefully they're somewhat ranked when they play us next year but 2023 we've got at boise byu at home 2024 at BYU. God, we got to go out to, what, Nevada? Wait, Idaho, Idaho, and, and, Idaho and Utah back-to-back years. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm all for the random away game trips. They're always fun. It, it puts you in places that you will literally never, ever visit if it wasn't for football. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, Utah and uh, Nevada, or not Nevada, Idaho. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but no, all right, so, I really. But does it have to be a Power Five school that we well, get these home and homes with, or do you think that we should go back to you know the kind of USF model and just take whoever, whenever? Okay, so yeah, a lot of people have been talking about this. So one kind of side of the argument is that Danny White kind of screwed us by 
you know, publicly saying, you know, there was the whole UF thing, and it was like, they offered us a two-for-one, even though it really wasn't. We said we only want home and homes, and I understand, you know, the money aspect. We make a lot of money off home games, so doing a two-for-one kind of hurts us that way, but we could always schedule Bethune-Cookman, you know, to to make up for the two-for-one, so not a huge deal, but I think it's the philosophy more than anything that you know, it's not an equal deal. And I understood Danny White's part, and I always had his back. But apparently, that's kind of put us in a predicament now because it's tough for anyone to schedule us. But I don't even know if that has to do with the home-and-home thing. I think it's just people don't want to play us, and they're using that kind of as as an excuse. Going forward, I like, hey, anyone, anyone, anywhere, whatever. But at the same time, if we don't have to play like Florida, not that I don't want to, but if we've kind of got a relatively easy schedule, considering the fact that we went undefeated two regular seasons in a row and barely sniffed the top 10 and didn't even get remotely close to the playoff, then what's the point of scheduling a hard game when really the playoff committee has shown that the only thing we can end up doing is getting to an NY6 game? Why should we make it harder for ourselves to get there? This brings up a very good point because I think us going undefeated two years in a row is what really has changed the narrative. I was watching the 2017 USF and the war and I four. you know, the announcers were talking about something that obviously all of you remember is that we were 10 and zero, and we were 15th <laughs> and USF was nine and one and wasn't even ranked. Yeah. And in that same week, the College Football Playoff Committee put a three-loss, three-loss Mississippi State ahead of UCF. Now, go to last year when Cincinnati was climbing up CFP rankings. They did not have any three-loss teams ahead of them. Correct. Every year it's gotten better. I agree. And not only that. Going back to the conference thing with USF not being ranked that year, although they were in the AP poll, I think they were like 24th, but our conference has definitely gotten some more clout. We're getting more legitimacy, and people are starting to recognize that. And then overall, too, back in 17, the national champions thing, it was kind of a joke, whatever. But every year since, more and more like major college football writers have started to talk, and before expansion and now it feels like the majority of college football writers are for it because one it's the same four teams two I mean this seems like a no-brainer but these games make so much money right it all comes down to money why would you not want to have seven games in the playoff that's what you would have in an 18 playoff instead of three games which no one even really watched this year because it was the same teams over and over and no one really cared what was going to happen it comes down to money. They're going to expand. Really, the only matter of it is when. Right. No, I, I completely agree. It is all about money. 100%. Yeah, and like, I mean, what? they're not hiding from that. It's all about money. That's why they did it in the beginning. That's why they're going to expand, why they're taking so long. I don't know. Who cares if Cincinnati comes in and gets whooped by Alabama last year? It's something else for us to watch because you know what happens after the playoffs over? We're in the middle of NBA season, nothing. Spring training, what? No, we want more football. More football. Who doesn't yep. want more football? And on top of that, who doesn't <laughs> want more money? So, I mean, 
it's a no-brainer. It's just a matter of when, in my opinion. But how do we start talking about this? Oh, scheduling. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, schedule anyone. I don't care. But I don't if- think I've given my opinion. <laughs> I don't think I've given my opinion on um, the scheduling. <laughs> the two for the scheduling yet. So go for it. I think I I've kind of changed my attitude. The whole UF thing. The only thing that I was against is not having the one home game at the bounce house. I believe the last offer was two in Gainesville and then one at the Citrus Bowl, which, no, that just, it's not fair to us. I think if the Gators gave us a two for one right now and one was in the bounce house and two in Gainesville, I think Terry would be crazy not to take it. That's just my opinion. The Gators at home, man. That would, that I would, would take, be awesome. I would take, I honestly would take that with any upper tier power five school a two for one now we can get the bottom louisville georgia tech i don't know go go after a lower tier sec team or something like go after Ole miss you know there's some ties there with levy yeah i don't see why not a a two for one with Ole miss or a one for one with Ole miss that's fair you're right though too honestly like what would they need it for they don't it's that's that's the whole thing it's a lose-lose for them. If you schedule UCF and win, people are like, cool. doesn't really do anything. If you schedule UCF and lose, it pretty much ruins your whole season. You're not going to make the playoff if you lose to UCF well, at the beginning of the season. Not eh, if we're ranked. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. But going back to your uh, your point about the two-for-ones, yeah, there's, there's a handful, maybe 10 teams uh, that I would be okay with the two-for-one. You know, Alabama – you know, the big schools, Ohio State, even though yeah, we did have a home-and-home. Home. Wait, or maybe it was just a one deal. No, they paid us to get whooped at Ohio State. Clemson, yeah, all those teams would be cool. That'd be an awesome home game. And I'd love to have two away games playing, you know, in Death Valley. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want that? Or Michigan. Michigan, Michigan was fun. Michigan, we did it once. Bring back Texas. Texas. I don't think they ever want to come back. All right, hot take. You ready? Yeah. Furman. <laughs> we need the revenge game. The Furman revenge game. I'd be happy if that team's name. Just instead of doing Bethune Cookman or South Carolina State one year. Furman. Yeah, but the, the thing is, the players and the coaches would be meaningless. It would only be meaningful to us. And again, that's a that's a lose lose for us. I mean, not that we would lose, but it's like the only thing that can happen is we whoop them. And what are we going to party? <laughs> <laughs> so the Furman game, though, I believe that's the game where Matty Wright was a freshman, missed the game-winning field goal, and then he went on to be one of the best kickers, if not the best, in UCF history. So everything happens for a reason. Am I right? Redemption. Uh, one other thing, going back to the Charge On Tour, I saw Johnny Dawkins in his Citronaut polo at the Space Coast event, you know, the white one with the squeezer head. Leading us into, this has been a widespread debate among UCF Twitter for the last few months or so, kind of spearheaded by J.P. Gilbert, Citronauts or Knights debate, would you be open to changing our mascot from the Knights to the Citronauts? Moo, what do you think? No. Why? I think it's cool to have a little secondary mascot, but now... Oh, it's like we have the Pegasus, we have the Knight, no one we have likes the Citronaut. The I didn't ask that. I'm just saying the fact is that it exists. 
it's on the jerseys sometimes. So it's like, how many different mascots do we have? That's not UCF. UCF is the stack logo, just the three letters, which exactly is not more, the Knights. Not more, the Knights. Right. We're not the Knights. We're the UCF logo. Is way more, you know, recognizable. It's kind of. I was thinking of other schools that were like this, and the one that came to mind was USC. So like nobody has like Trojan man polos or anything it's just like all usc it's like the, anything on their jersey it just says usc like yeah those three letters that's the school so here you know? here's my point if you went on the street not obviously in orlando and you asked 100 random people what team are the trojans half the people would say like condoms right <laughs> i mean no one really is like oh usc the same thing for the knights most people would probably say the hockey team we're not known as the knights we're known as ucf we could be known as the UCF Citronauts as well. People would say, hey, Citronaut, that's UCF. That's kind of my point here. I'm not saying to change it. I'm just saying that all the points or all the reasons that people give that we should keep the Knights are invalid. Our brand is UCF. That's what we built up. If we got rid of the Knights, it would not hurt us at all. And if we changed it to something cool, people would talk about it. Or how about this? We could always do both. Look at the NBA. Now, I don't want to go that crazy, but I don't know if you've watched any of the playoff games. Half these teams are wearing colors that aren't even their colors. And I'm not even talking about, like, how we add blue instead of gold and we kind of still have the black and the whole theme. I mean, the Heat looked like the Pacers. I don't even know what's been going on in the NBA. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like want that. to do that, but I'm just saying we could have, you know, two. Or maybe we should do the space theme stuff a little more. I don't know. But at the end of the day, if we actually switch to Citronaut, I can't see any reason why that would hurt us, I guess is my point. We're not losing anything by getting rid of the Knights. The Knights aren't anything. We're not the Knights. We're UCF. So it only, in my opinion, benefits us to add a cool and unique mascot, which well, we, we used we to can have. Do both. We can do both. I have the solution. We bring the Golden back. Love it. Love the Golden Knights. That would I mean, be awesome. It, it clearly distinguishes us between, you know, the Rutgers night, Scarlet Knights or whatever. Like, yeah. And how about golden? There was nothing wrong with the golden. There was or, or like army. Okay. For some reason, my boss still thinks we're the black Knights. I'm like, no, that's army. <laughs> um, we are the golden Knights. Well, no, we're the Knights. And unfortunately no, now back the golden. Okay. But, the Golden Knights are the hockey team now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is true. <laughs> I Look, I love the Golden. And here's the thing. Dude, there was, when we went to Canada, there was at least three people that asked us if we were big hockey fans. Like when we had, but we didn't have anything that said Knights on. It was all UCF. They, they just thought. I like, think it's oh. just because you're in Canada. They're like, oh, here's some people in Canada. It must be hockey fans. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I want the golden back. Don't care. Yeah, no, it wouldn't hurt. I, I love a little nostalgia. All right, next up. I know it's been a little bit since the draft, but let's do a quick Built by UCF update and kind of our thoughts on where all our players landed. And uh, we'll go down the draft board. First up was Richie Grant, drafted in the second round, 40th overall, by the Atlanta Falcons. 
Great pickup by the Falcons. Yet another team where UCF didn't have a player on it. So even more reason to tune in on Sunday if you're like me and don't really have a favorite NFL team. Just whoever has the most UCF players. So I guess I'm a Saints fan. (laughs) Well, no, actually, the Texans have three UCF players. Jordan Akins, Marlon Williams, and Justin McCray. Well, I still kind of like the Saints more. (laughs) Well, the black and gold. (laughs) Yeah. All right, who else do we have? Aaron Robinson to the Giants in the third round. Yeah, another great pick. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time with them. And again, another team that did not have a, a UCF night on the team currently. So now I'm, I'm trying to count this as I talk, which I can't do either. I'm not good at multitasking. But I'm pretty sure we have 23 built by UCF players on 17 different NFL teams now. That's, uh, yeah, with the latest edition of Blake Bortles on the Packers. So that's crazy. Pretty much any time you turn on any NFL game, there will be at least one UCF player represented, which is awesome because if you did the same kind of test about five years ago, I think we had like six or seven guys in the league. All right, going back down the list, One of my favorite picks, actually, Jacob Harris in the fourth round to the L.A. Rams. I tried to get out ahead of this, and then people corrected me quickly. So I was saying, I think Sean McVay can use him as like a prototype to make him like, I mean, he's got the, he's bigger than George Kittle. He's bigger than Travis Kelsey. And I think, I think he could be better than both of them if used correctly. Um, But they announced him as a tight end, even though he mainly played wide receiver. In college, I think this is a great fit. Sean McVay, obviously, very forward-thinking, offensive-minded coach, and I think he sees the raw talent and the numbers that Harris put up in, um, you know, the UCF uh, pro day, and I think he can mold him into really an unguardable type tight end. I mean, he's a physical freak, and we've seen what he can do catching the ball too. Maybe just hone in on the tight end skills. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Like, hey, block someone good. But uh, I think he really, really can be a force to be reckoned with in the NFL. And I I love this fit here. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to be one of those hybrid kind of uh, Ben Watson is another one that comes to mind as like a huge frame, but also has speed. Yeah, I think for sure he's going to fit perfectly into McVay's system, even though they have, you know, Tyler Higbee and Hunter Henry. Um, Hunter Hunter Henry's on the Patriots. Oh, okay. Well, they got Tyler Higby. I'm telling you, man, this is George Kittle. Like, I don't even want to say 2.0 because he's going to be better than Kittle. I think. I, I really, really love this. Pick him up on your dynasty leagues for sure. All right, next, who we got? So last couple picks, Tay Gowan. Oh, it's Tay. I couldn't remember if Tay was first or. Tay Gowan went to Trey the, was first. Uh, Cardinals to, to the Cardinals. He talks a lot on Twitter. I'll just say that. Trey Nixon to the Patriots. It just seems like forever that he was on Mel Kuyper's big board. And I'm not quite sure what the NFL scouts were looking for. He didn't have a whole lot of college tape. You know, only played at UCF for that one season. Um, Okay, well, he still had at least a year or two left of eligibility, so... Kind of took a flyer on him, even though at the beginning of the season or some of the pre some of the preseason draft stuff had him a lot higher. So I think that he was a little disappointed that he lasted until the sixth round. 
but we'll see. All you all you need is a chance in the NFL to uh, to show him what you got. So yeah, no, best it, of luck to him. Exactly. And then rounding it up, Trey Nixon of the Patriots. This is one of my favorite fits. Obviously, I mean, Trey Nixon has it all. He's gonna go in play in this Patriots system, and I, I really think he's gonna be good. Especially when you look at, I mean, the you know Bill Belichick, obviously best coach of all time, no doubt, but. Bill Belichick, the general manager, has not had the most success in drafting skill players in in the high rounds the last four or five years, which is part of why I think Brady left. He, he was really surrounded with not that much talent. Trey Nixon has a chance to come in here, be a part of something great. And I don't know if you guys saw the video where um, he was, you know, Ernie Adams a long time. I don't even really know what he is. For the Patriots, some kind of advisor, but he was Ernie's last pick before he retires. He called Trey Nixon. Super, super cool. Um, obviously, I'm a huge NFL fan too, even though I don't really have a team. But um, I, I love the Patriots, their organization, everything they've done, and it, I think it's really cool that Trey got to be part of a special moment for a uh, you know a, a living legend, Ernie Adams. And uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do along along with all, all of our other guys in the league. Uh, I know Marlon signed. A free agent contract with the Texans. I think he got his foot dinged up or something like that. Not really sure what's going on. And then uh, Otis, he participated in Titans minicamp. You know, it really stinks for guys like Otis and McCray. Um, because of COVID, you know, these minicamps were, were reduced to, I think they could bring in like six outside people that weren't on the roster as opposed to, I don't know, I think it was unlimited before. So that really stinks, and I, I hope they – I know these guys will get a chance. And maybe it's not this year. You know, maybe they need some injury luck. Um, who knows? But these guys will get their chance. I know they're going to keep working hard. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited overall for, you know, this, this class of players. Uh, it stinks to see so much talent leaving our team, but I know we've got a bunch of guys ready to step up and fill their shoes. And I love, um, love that we have so many more players to root for on Sunday. I'm going to – I have to buy a bunch, bunch of new jerseys now, but uh, not mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of luck too. I remember last year Adrian Killens, but I think like two or three different times, and then got back on and made it on made it into a game. Got a couple carries in a big Monday night game um, with the Eagles. So it all just depends. But going back to Trey Nixon real quick, I just wanted to say that yeah, it is it's my second favorite. Um, fit other than Jacob Harris you know Patriots and wide receivers is pretty much like a wild card or I don't know potpourri of of receivers <laughs> in the Patriots system Belichick loves to use a ton of different guys ton of guys that you probably have never heard of most people have never heard of Trey Nixon before this so I mean looking at their depth chart too they signed Nelson Aguilar the pair of tight ends too. Uh, yeah, but that's Jonah. pretty much it. Like they have Nikhil Harry, Kendrick Bourne, Jacob Mo- Jacoby Myers. But Man. I mean, right now Trey Nixon is listed in, in second as third or second string and third receiver. Um, he's got a great chance Patriots. to be a starter, and I know he's got the talent Absolutely. to do so, and he's got the work ethic, and uh, I'm excited to see see him out there wearing uh, wearing the Patriots uniforms on Sundays, catching balls from. Cam Newton, Mac Jones, who knows? But uh, anyway, all right. Speaking of wide receivers from UCF and the NFL, let's get to our interview with 
Former UCF receiver Kamar Aiken, he also played for the aforementioned Patriots. He was the number one receiver for the Ravens in 2015 and then had brief stints with the Colts and Eagles and now is getting into some business ventures. And we talk about all that in this interview, plus a little bit more. So let's get to that. Okay, Night fans, I'm here with a very special guest. It's Kamar Aiken. Uh, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Um, so you were a UCF receiver from 2007 to 2010, had an awesome college and pro career. Obviously, we had the two conference championships at UCF and our first bowl game win while you were there, and then a bunch of great seasons in the league. And we'll get to all of that, but first up, you've been back in Orlando working on a new restaurant. Um, what can you tell us about that? Um, yes, it's a new franchise. Well, not a new franchise. A uh, new franchise that I'm involved in. It's Miami Grill. Uh, used to be called Miami Subs. Um, they're changing the name. I'm doing the bar and grill concept. They allowed me to do a, kind of a sports theme. Uh, bar um so yep i'm bringing that to the orlando area again um it used to be there years ago so i know the community is excited for it i'm looking forward to it um i remember that it was like the pink and like light blue right yes it was like turquoise and pink yeah okay cool um what what's the location gonna be it's gonna be 5320 north orange blossom trail awesome and in the uh, rosemont area what's the uh what's the timeline looking like uh for the opening um, we're a few months out, so I, I would say another month or two out. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Well, definitely let me know when that's uh, when you're doing your opening, and I'll, I'll be sure to let everyone know. Uh, we'll get you know UCF behind you and uh, support you over there. It's glad. I to, appreciate that. Yeah, glad to hear you're investing back uh, in the Orlando community. You know, you're from South Florida. Um, yeah, so actually, let's let's go back to the beginning. Um, you know, you're from South Florida. What was your recruitment process like, and how'd you end up at UCF? What kind of sold you on Orlando? Um, I actually took my first visit to Minnesota, um, and just being a Miami kid, I went to Minnesota. It was cold as Alaska, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of told myself, okay, the school was great. I had a great time on the visit. Um, a lot of people don't know about Minnesota. It's a great school, but I realized I was like, it's way on the other side of the country for me. So at that time, I made a decision to stay in Florida. So I looked at all the other schools, took visits. I actually took my mom on a visit to UCF. Um, I never saw her the whole visit. I heard she ate uh, the best seafood they had to offer. <laughs> she had a blast. Um, I had a blast. I actually met my roommates and um, teammates um, that same visit. Half of, The majority of my class that actually committed was on that, was on that visit. Um, so that that just spoke value for that visit that we had. I had a good time and she had a good time. So it, it narrowed it down to me. And I said, I can play football anywhere and kind of make it to the next level. So I also want to be somewhere where I can kind of enjoy myself at the same time. Yeah. And so that was kind of a transition time for UCF. We were just, you know, obviously opening up the new stadium. We did the rebrand from Golden Knights to the Knights. And that was my freshman year as well as yours. Um, mm -hmm. What was it like coming into that uh, first, you know, the first home game at Texas? I don't think I really appreciated like how um, important that was opening the stadium and everything and, and playing against Texas because that was all new to me being my freshman year. But what was kind of the atmosphere like around the team and, uh, you know, everything leading up to that game? Um, for the freshmen, I can speak on behalf. It was exciting just because that was a, a big thing that sold a lot of us. 
um, to have the on on campus uh, stadium. Uh, I guess the older guys they more so looked at it as um, you know they they kind of transitioned from the old stadium and now they have it on campus, so they kind of looked at it different. For me, um, I looked at it as it's, it's Texas. It's one of the top teams in the country. I, I just like you, I underestimated it a little bit on uh, it being an opening for uh, a university. But I was more looking forward to just we're playing with the top team, Texas, that I grew up watching on TV. So to do that and then now to look back at it, it was something special. I wish we could have won that game, but it was still something in, in its own. If, if you were there and, and you were able to partake in it. Man, I, I just remember it being so freaking hot. And um, it was crazy. I mean, we hung in there with them. And I remember we had that crazy fumble that like should have went out of bounds and kind of rolled yes. back in at the end. <laughs> um, what What do you remember from that game? Because I know you had the touchdown and two point conversion at the end. Um, I remember the refs not being on our side. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I do remember a lot of like little funky things happening. I remember that fumble. Um, it looks like it's gonna roll out of bounds, and then it literally loses momentum and just stops completely, and then they jump on it. So I just remember the little opportunities that we had that we missed um, and didn't get. And th- th- that's what really separated that game. It was a fun game to be in. A lot of NFL guys came out of that, them two rosters, if you look back at it. Um, yeah, Jamal Charles. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple guys for them, and then obviously we had a bunch of, of NFL guys too. It's crazy. If you go back and look at the the highlights of the game, they show the crowd shots, and everyone's wearing like khaki and – dark yellow and stuff and now obviously the whole game uh the home games are all black but it, it's funny to see how far we've come since then uh, yep. <laughs> yeah yeah that, that was an awesome time and then obviously that season finished we ended up in the conference championship game and won that first conference championship uh well, yeah. what did that kind of mean to you and probably some of the older guys on the team too what was that like um, it meant a lot to us just because we were freshmen and a lot of us came in and um and we're, we're starters so we felt to have a big part of that and just to be the first for anything, it was the first for our university. We already knew the university was going to go way ahead of what we came into and what we started or what we were a part of. So just to be a part of the first of anything, you know, that, that that's special in its own. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of like stepping stones. We went from that to, you know, second conference championship in 2010. And then, obviously, the, the Liberty Bowl, um, which was our first bowl win. And it was a big one. It wasn't like the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl or RoofClaim.com Bowl. I mean, we played an SEC team uh, and beat them in the Liberty Bowl. What was that like? Um, that was actually fun. Um, for the seniors, that was my senior year. It was a fun game. We wanted to go out on a win. We didn't care who we played. I know a lot of people look at it like Georgia's roster was, was loaded, but they had an off year. To be honest, we looked at it like that's who they gave us. We wish we would have played whoever. If it was somebody better, if, if somebody would have felt like it was a better team, we would have been okay with that. But us as seniors, we just want to go out with a bang. Our school never won a bowl game. We were like, hey, we won a conference championship already. Let's see if we can go out with a bang of winning our last game and bring it home our first uh, bowl win. Yeah, and that was awesome. And, you know, for the younger people listening, too, that was way before the playoff when the bowl games meant a lot more. Um, it yeah. wasn't like mm-hmm. a consolation prize. This was kind of your reward for having a good season. So it doesn't matter really who you played. It was definitely a, a big deal. Going back to, uh, I guess, you you know, your time at UCF, obviously a lot's changed since then. We've gone to, you know, Scott Frost and Josh Heupel, the, the up-tempo, Oregon, Baylor offense. Uh, but George was, you know, obviously a completely 
different culture in the locker room and, and the style of play. What was that like, I guess, for some of the younger people? Because, uh, you know, George is kind of a polarizing guy. Uh, Hard-nosed, old, old school. We're speaking of O'Leary, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Old school, uh, hard-nosed. I, I, I would say everybody's experience was different with him. Um, with me, I would say he was a lot of, of – I didn't really get the the love. He gave me the hard love, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would say he was just an old school coach. He's not your um, put-your-names-on-the-back-of-the-jersey type coach. So that that's the newer days coach that, that's okay with that. He's not one of those type of coaches. He goes by the, the old school method of, of doing things, practicing. Um, so I would say it made me build a lot of callus for, for me personally and my pro career. Yeah, and, you know, you look back at um, all of our teams, and we were kind of always up and down. We have, you know, conference championship down years. We, we'd be up and down. But the one thing that was constant is we always, I mean, we put out a lot of good uh, NFL players, you know, through those years. And I, I think, you know, I think that has, you know, something to do with uh, kind of the tough love that, that you mentioned from George. Do you have any funny stories about him? I've heard a lot of funny things about him throwing stuff or just crazy um, things he said ever. Um, <laughs> we actually had, he, he, liked, he liked to stand like in the middle of the field uh, during practices. So it was, it was a time when, when I want to say when the coaches told him to get from the middle of the field because we were running deep plays. And he kind of said that he, he can get out of the way. And we end up changing one of the plays and making me run a post and we end up running slap into him and the first <laughs> thing he jumps up and says is did he catch it he didn't worry about the db running into him and getting hit but he just wanted to make sure i caught it <laughs> and you caught it right <laughs> i did that's, that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> so your senior year was 2010 and then you know you ended up being the ravens number one receiver in 2015 but how did you get there because that's obviously you know a long time and you were kind of on and off some rosters. Uh, tell me about about how all that went down, I guess. The NFL is different. It's not it's not college. It's not high school. It's more of a business. It transitions from just it being football to a business. So I had to transition into the business side and learn the business side and know that it's just not football. So my football, football-wise, I was, to be honest, I was probably ready my rookie year, but the business side wasn't ready for me to be able to display that until – it caught up and that that took until I got to Baltimore and Baltimore. I was fortunate enough to have uh, the coaches I had and, and the people we had upstairs to give me a truly a legit opportunity to say, hey, if you can play, you can play. and We're going to put you out there. New England was also another team. So I, I take that back. New England was good. I just couldn't stay healthy for New England. How did it end up taking, what was it, three years until you actually got on the field with the Patriots? Or maybe it was four? Like, what what's that like, like the practice squad thing, uh, for people that don't really know how all that stuff works? Um, practice squad, you're basically running cards um, and just giving the, the ones looks. Um, so whatever they're seeing that week. Um, for me, it was always whoever the number one receiver was for the other team, I had to do whatever he did. Uh, whatever his main routes were, but I, I went against our number one corner. So for me, I took it as an opportunity to to get better. Um, I had coaches that used to tell me, hey, let, let the DBs make the play. I did not allow them to make the play. I still went up and made the play. I also, I didn't go up to make the play to try to make them get hurt. Now, if it was going to be iffy and they were going to get hurt, I would let them have it. But if I was able to make a play, I was going to make the play. And I think that's what separated me from – them saying, hey, he's just a practice squad player to, hey, he can he can play. Right, because a lot of guys kind of get stuck in the practice squad thing and 
for one reason or another, they just give up or they don't get any more opportunities. And then uh, you, you never really see them on Sundays. But it happened kind of the opposite for you. What kind of happened to, you know, you got to Baltimore and then all of a sudden 2015, you have this breakout season. What, what can you attribute that to? Um, we had a real good off season. Um, I actually went, uh, Steve took a group of us and we went down to Carolina and we got after it, to be honest, That's right before training camp happened. Steve Smith, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. well, he was one of my favorite players growing up. Yeah, he, he was great. He was one of my favorite players growing up. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool for me. Uh, I actually told him, uh, me, I'm still good friends. Uh, told him that, um, you know, I grew up watching YouTube videos of him, um, so for me to be able to play alongside of him, it was it was great for me. But yeah, he, he was everything. Uh, he he took us that off season. We went to Carolina. Um, we trained with him for like two three days. Got after it, and that off season we all felt real good. Um, it was unfortunate we had some guys go down and some injuries. But um, other than that, that that off season we just felt like ready to go and motivated. And then the injuries happened, and then the opportunities just happened more. Right. So you kind of. Uh... I guess got elevated in the starting role that year, but um, you played in the playoffs the year before, right? Yeah, I did. That was that crazy game against New England. Uh, New England I, I yep. think I think you had the first touchdown. Uh, what do you remember from that game? Uh, yes, I think it was first or second. Um, that game we should have won. I remember um, we were up two touchdowns twice, um, but it never felt like it. Um, but yeah, for me, it was, it was my first time also coming back to, uh, New England after me leaving. So it was special. They, they kind of had that play drawn up for me to have an opportunity to have a one-on-one situation. Um, I don't know if they expected it to go house, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I said, if I get an opportunity and it's called and it's one-on-one and we're in the red zone, I, I, it's a house call. And, and it unfortunately happened. Uh, I wish we could have won the game as well. would have made it even better. Um, but yeah, that, that was a fun game. It was an up and down game. Um, New England obviously was a great team that year. They were, their roster was uh, stacked and loaded. So were we, but yeah, it was a fun year. We had, we had a lot of playmakers. They, uh, we spread the ball around. Everybody got a little piece of the action. So it, it was fun. Let's, uh, let's talk about Joe Flacco because he seems to kind of be the butt of all jokes, you know, in the last few years, he hasn't. I guess had the greatest success, but I mean, the only thing I really remember him was, you know, Super Bowl MVP lights out. Uh, what, what's he, what's he kind of like? Um, you mean funny, like he's a, a funny guy? Yeah. I mean, like I saw his wedding pictures and stuff, but then he doesn't really talk that much <laughs> during the, uh, the press conferences and stuff. He is a, he is a uh, quiet guy, but he's more like sarcastically funny. But he is a quiet guy. And if he knows you, he obviously he loosens up and he jokes around. Um, I guess you guys just see the straight face Joe all the time. <laughs> I mean, I just I just see what you know the media people tweet, and then you know people make jokes and stuff. But I mean, I yeah. I'll never forget that Super Bowl. I mean, he he uh, he earned his bag to to say no, no, he definitely is. And Joe's not no. I, I like Joe. Joe's probably the quarterbacks I play with. He's probably number two. I was, obviously I play with Tom. Um, but um, Joe was a great. He, he's a great quarterback. Um, he's been unfortunate. If you look at Joe's uh, situation, he's had offensive coordinators probably every year of his last couple years. Yeah, so that, 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 that's tough. That's what kind of happened to Bortles too, the revolving yeah. door at uh, in Jacksonville. So you you can't have no success when you're changing coordinators at quarterback every year. Um, I think that year he had the lights out year with the playoffs. Um, they had a stable uh, thing going with the coordinators, um, and they kind of broke that apart after that. 
So you mentioned Tom Brady before. I know you weren't in New England that long, but at the time, um, what was that? I think like 2013 or so. So that was eight years ago. If someone had told you that he'd still be playing it and winning a Super Bowl, what what would you have said at the time? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can easily he can he can play for a long time just because he's a smart guy. He spends the money on his body. He takes care of his body. He has the the things in place to to keep his body going for a long time. Um, he has the recipe. He knows how long it takes him to get ready. What he needs to tweak. Um, he's very he's really in tune with 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 himself and and all of that in his preparation. So, no, I, I'm not surprised at all. Um, I'm not surprised that he even left New England and won without him. To be honest, he he's always prepared. And he brings his own his own little uh I don't know what you would call it, but uh, aroma, I guess. Swag. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go back to you. So you had that big year in Baltimore, and then I think you were there for one more year. You ended up with the Colts. What was that kind of like? Um, it was a, a change for me. We had a lot of young guys that came in there. Um, they were kind of rebuilding, so, right? Yeah, there was a rebuild year, literally a rebuild year. Um, for me, I thought Andrew was going to be healthy. And good to go. So that was my number one reason going there. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, what were your but, other options as a free agent? Sorry to cut you off. Um, Seattle was it, was, it was, it was between them and Seattle. That was my last two, um, options that, okay. that I did down to. Um, I just wanted to go somewhere where I was gonna, <clears throat> where I was gonna have an opportunity to play receiver <clears throat> and not just be a special teams guy. So a lot of teams wanted uh, – I had a lot of teams that didn't have a problem, but everybody wanted me for special teams, and I kind of wanted to go somewhere and be able to have an opportunity just to play receiver as well. At what point do you know it's time to hang up the cleats and time to retire, or what kind of happened? What was your thought process like in, in making that move? Um, it, was, it was numerous things. It was um, the things I had to deal with on the business side. After a while, you just get tired of dealing with it business-wise. Um, it was – uh, body parts, my knees. I actually hurt myself my senior year um, against Rice. I caught a deep post and I tore my meniscus and I played the whole, my whole senior year with a torn meniscus and it actually hurt me going on. Um, I never said anything about it, never cried about it, but literally every year I had in the league, I say it's a blessing because I never knew how long I was going to be able to play with how bad my knee hurt like every year, year in, year out. That's crazy, especially considering the fact that it, it took you like four years just to, you know, start to get some playing time in the league. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, you know, could have given up. And on top of that, like you said, the business part, if you tell people about, you know, these injuries and stuff, teams might not want to sign you, right? Yep, yep. So, yeah, you won't see it on the injury report much. You probably see it on there for like soreness because obviously it didn't happen in the league. The damage was already done coming out of college, mm -hmm. but. It was just more so I didn't want to complain about it. I didn't want to, if you know the business side of it, the more you're in the training room, the harder it is for a, a guy to make the team. They want you to be healthy. Um, they want the goods. They look at you are like good, like goods. Like right. it's either your healthy goods or your bad goods. So you try to stay as healthy as as you can and, and give them that uh, idea that you're you're that healthy. But to be honest, I I did what I had to do every year. Um, I made it the years I did, and then Philly was probably my worst year as far as far as dealing with the pain and me just saying okay can't deal with the pain and the politics side so i was like yeah it's it's about that time so as far as that business wise um i was already transitioning business wise when i left new england in 2012 
they they showed me everything it needed to be about a business and how to run a business besides football. So they kind of put my mind in a different uh, place. Uh, but I was still football first. You're saying they had you kind of forward thinking instead of ending up, you know, retiring and then being like, hey, what should I do next? Did you have like a mentor or someone that like kind of steered you in that direction? Or, or what made you kind of uh, start to think about the future before it happened? Um, I always observed other guys. When I first came in the league, I always tried to see what, what guys did, um, what year you were. You were If you were a 10-year guy, what do you do that makes you be a 10-year guy to be stay around? It's obviously not just your playing ability because I've been around and been on teams where 10-year guys aren't that good, but they're good enough to be in the NFL and they're doing the right things to be on the roster. So I just took uh, the goods from – people that I saw doing on the different teams I did and applied it, to be honest. Um, whether it was on the field, whether it was business things they were doing. Um, that's smart. I mean, that's really smart. Honestly, I'm in real estate and I see people do other stuff and I just copy it because it's like, all right, it's obviously yeah. working for them. It's so. always working. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, no, that, that's <laughs> definitely smart. A little cheat code for anyone listening, trying to get better at what they're doing. All right, so what have you been up to now that, you know, you've been retired for a couple years? Did you ever think about coaching? Um, I do now because of my kids, and my kid is a—he's uh, pretty athletic and excelling for his age. Um, so it makes me think about it because I want him to get coached right. But um, I would probably, uh, yeah, I would coach, that, depending on the cool. right opportunity. Um, the door is always open, then. <laughs> yeah, the door—the door is always open. I kept all my offensive playbooks, so I know the league doesn't like that, but I got every playbook that I ever played. Uh, every OC I ever had. So literally, <laughs> I have a, a book guru of offensive stuff. So <laughs> You can't even do that anymore because it's all on iPads and stuff. It's all on iPads <laughs> now, yeah. But Man. I write notes. So because that's how I remember plays, I have to write them down. So I literally have a, vis- a visual picture of every play because I had to write it down a lot. That's awesome. So what else are you up to, I guess, now that you're retired? I know you got the restaurant going on in Orlando. Uh, yeah, the restaurant is mostly, um, and just looking for different business ventures. Uh, like yourself, I'm, I'm in the real estate as well. Um, I own the real estate for, for this location. Um, so always looking for new opportunities. Um, I'm big in the community with my foundation as well. Um, just doing some community events. Um, and then what's your foundation? Tell us about that. Uh, Kamari Foundation. Um, it's based, uh, for foster kids or kids at risk. Um, basically just giving kids that's in the system as far as foster system an opportunity once they turn 17 to transition into the adult world uh, with some type of support. Once you're 17, they kind of just release you and you're just on your own. So we're kind of kind of trying to bridge that gap to make that transition a lot more smoother for uh, kids that's going through this program and that want better for themselves. That, that's awesome. That's got to be tough. And then also, I just stay home. I'm, I'm pretty much a homebot. I'm doing some renovations home with the family. Um, so just getting the, the the house to be something where we just want to be here all day. That's awesome, man. Glad to hear it. It's, it's an awesome story. You know, when you look through your career through UCF and then, you know, bounce around NFL teams and a breakout year and everything. And no one really knew at the time you were, you know, had this injury that was, you know, somewhat holding you back and you were in pain the whole time. Anything else you want to add here at the end for, uh, you know, UCF listeners? Um, you coming to any games this year? Yes, I'll be I'll be at a couple games this year. I'm actually going to bring my family, um, come to a couple games. I'll be there a little more, a little more involved. Um, please, anybody UCF, come on out. 
to the restaurant. Um, we're going to do some events and, and do some things for, for, uh, for our students um, and, and UCF alumni in, in general. It is a UCF location. Um, so I would say come out, enjoy it. Um, it'll be a good time. And um, I'll be more, more around and, and, and probably see my face a little more. I'm glad to hear that. And, um, you know, with the new coaching staff and everything, obviously I never played, but from what I've seen on social media, they've been much more open to having, you know, the former varsity nights around practices and involved in everything like that. So definitely glad to hear, you know, you're going to be taking part in that too. And um, let me know, you know, keep me posted about the restaurant and I'd be more than happy to, uh, you know, promote it and uh, get everyone out there to support you. Okay. I appreciate that. All right, man. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. All right, we're back. Great to talk to Kamar. Obviously, check out his his new business, Miami Grill and Bar, coming soon. We'll keep you guys posted on all that. And uh, yeah, definitely go check that out. All right, last up, we've got Moose Mailbag, where we answer all of your user-submitted questions live on the show. Thank you guys for your submissions. First up, we've got Zach Bell. What are your realistic and unrealistic expectations for this season? Biggest concerns going into the season. What early season signs are you looking for that show things are going well other than winning? That was a complicated question. <laughs> Let's do what, it is, what's our expectations? I think the expectations are there are two to three, I guess, games that scare me. We'll put it that way. Okay. Um, USF is going to be bad again, like very bad. So that doesn't really scare me. The Memphis night game at home scares me. Even though they weren't as good as years past, they're always, you know, in that upper tier of the AAC. Obviously, the Cincinnati game and then Louisville coming off a kind of down year last year. I think they look to rebound as well. So yeah, those are the three scary games. Nah, dude, there's for me. one. It's at, so realistic, at Cincy. At Cincy. So realistically, ten and three is not out of the question. I think anything less than nine and three is clear disappointment. Uh, my unrealistic expectation is to just run the table, which That's- there is a. I would say there's not a terrible shot at this happening. We have the momentum. We have the coaching. We have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. It's really not out of the question to run the table and to get into the playoffs, even though I say this every year. Um, no, look. There's a legit shot. We're either 10-1 and one with a maybe a loss to Cincy, or we're 11-0, and 0, and then we're 12-0 after the conference championship, and then we're you know, 13, 14, 15, depending on the playoffs. I can't. I don't even know if those numbers were right, but you get what I'm saying, though. We're either a one-loss or an undefeated team, plain and simple, in my opinion. But I might be a little bit biased. (laughs) Second part of the question, the early season signs (laughs) are you looking for that show things are going well. I think it'll be the decrease in penalties. Clearly, the coaching has improved. And I would really just like to see some more of those mental mistakes. Yeah, we did get better as the year progressed, but... Second year in the Hypel system, it shouldn't have been anywhere near. I think we were the most penalized team in the AAC. Third year. Third year of Hypel. I know. Um, It's a blur. (laughs) 
But I think we were the most penalized team in the AAC. And if we weren't, we should have been. That game where we had like eight false starts. Like, are you freaking yeah. kidding me? Also, if it's not happened yet, I would look to see. I don't know. I'll take it back. the The sample size is too large for it not to be an anomaly. Is that we take the ball away? Oh yeah. The the defense takes the ball away. I compare this to the Patriots thing of like never fumbling or having, you know, a plus in the turnover margin for how many ever years. Like this is UCF football now. Like it's not going to swing back the other way. Yep. It, there's been too many seasons and it's been too long to go on for it to swing back the other way in the opponents. Yo, we just saw second in the opponents favor. <laughs> so no, I agree. That's Turn- another thing. If I, if I start seeing the turnovers, happen more early in the year um that could be of concern all right next question you're up all right this next one is from fire joshi could probably change your handle now (laughs) um expansion rumors will boise join the aac and which other teams would you like to see also do you think ucf should really try to join the big 12 or use that energy to help raise the aac so first of all, fire Joshi. You should probably change that to poach Joshi to a bad program under NCAA sanctions and give us a huge buyout, by the way. Uh, okay, expansion rumors. Um, it could happen a couple ways. But I see this, you know, this reminds me of the Big East back in the early 2010s or whatever when we were talking about the same stuff. It was this great conference. We're going to add in... You know, these other great schools, people talk about Boise, BYU, Army, make us good. But then the bigger conferences start realigning, and they poach all our good ones, and then we're left with the American. or I don't know what they're going to call it after that, the National Conference. So I like where our conference is at, but half these teams, if there's a major realignment, are going to end up in other conferences. So... If that didn't happen, I would love for us to get stronger, but I think we've got to be out ahead of this and just, you know, take the Big 12 invite when it inevitably comes. What do you think, Mo? Yeah, I would have to agree. We have done a good job of, you know, raising the bar for the AAC and we Memphis are the bar, and Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, Memphis and Cincinnati have helped as well. I still think the only way that we continue to move forward is by joining a new conference. And when they do this realignment too, there's, I have my doubts that the American will survive. I think more of the bottom tier will go kind of be absorbed by Conference USA and the Sun Belt. And then the kind of upper tier like us, maybe Cincy, Memphis, Houston, could move to I, I don't a th- different conference. I don't think the bottom ones get absorbed. I think the, you know, the big Conference USA teams – Say like Old Dominion, FAU, they'll join the old American Conference. The good schools will leave. The Tulsa's. Yeah, something like that. The Tulsa's, the ECU's will stay there. It's just the same thing over and over again. So I'd rather be on the the Louisville or or the Pitt part where they end up in, you know, the ACC or, you know, the teams that left for other conferences rather being left behind hoping that we're going to have this awesome conference. Which we do, but it was not really at the time. We were kind of known as the leftovers. By the way, runners on the corners, 7-2 now. UCF bottom five, no outs, 2-0 count. 
What? You no. must be ahead of How'd you get ahead of me? We got a chopper! 1-0! Oh, it beats it out at first! Runner scores! 7-3 UCF. Well, thank you for ruining this well, for me. <laughs> dude, we were on the same thing. I didn't touch anything. All right, I'll pause mine, though. All right, we got a ball game here. All right, next question. It still says there's no outs, even though there's one. <laughs> Did you see that guy that got walked on three pitches the other day? It was in the it was in the majors. No. It, it was like ball <laughs> ball three. The ball went to the backstop, and the batter just tossed his bat random first. And dude, no one no one said anything. <laughs> this was in the majors too. It was uh, I was the Yankees versus uh, Tigers, I think. Anyway, all right. All right. Next question. Next question. I'm up. This is from MD Knight, 2016, longtime listener. Which 2021 transfer has the biggest impact at their position group? It's got to be Big Cap Bryant. Yeah, you took my answer. <laughs> Dude, with how much hype this guy has had and everything that Coach Gus has said about him says a lot, too, about how many Auburn players followed, you know, Gus here. Exactly. It's... A fired a fire coach, mind you. A fired yeah. coach. Ball four. Dude, you're ahead now. Am I? Yeah, so I really think it says a lot that, you know, multiple Auburn Tigers have followed Gus, a, f- a fired coach, mind you, not, you know, moving on to some, some other school. Th- this is a fired coach. These kids believe in him that much that they, they want to follow him. Speaks volumes. Yeah. So not even just Auburn, but another a ton of other transfers. I would have to say second place has got to be Northwestern running back Isaiah Bowser. Watched a lot of his film, saw him. He got into the game. There was just too. They had too many good running backs in Northwestern. So yeah, you know they call Northwestern RBU. (laughs) He goes from like one crowded running back room to another now with Ben Tavy. Then you got that other Auburn guy, Mark Anthony. There's a lot of UCF running backs now, <laughs> but they will all be used, hopefully. Yeah. RJ Harvey. What is it? RJ Harvey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I'm I'm a big Cat Bryant guy. Uh, you know, competition makes everyone better. Obviously, you know, Kalia Davis, KD's my number one on the D-line, but I know Big Cat's, you know, it's going to elevate both their games, and... um. Obviously, I'm also a huge first name, or I'm a huge nickname guy, and I still want to know if his name is Big Cat, or is his first name Big, middle name Cat, so we'll find that out this season, but yeah, I'm definitely excited about that, and um, apparently his first real first name is Markavius. Okay, so his name is not Big Cat, mystery solved. Like you said, I mean, there's just been an absolute onslaught of transfers, especially with like the interconference transfer rule, which Gus mentioned at the Keep Charging On tour. It, it's a game changer, and uh, you know, all in all, I just I couldn't be more excited for this next season. All right, next question. All right, next question is from Roger Goyette. Thoughts on the Thursday night slot for the Boise State game? We already covered this earlier, but appreciate the question. You know, it's awesome. TV exposure can't beat it. First weekend of college football, you don't want to be up against like eight other games on a Saturday. Everyone's going to be watching Thursday night. Even people that don't even really care about either team are going to be watching just because they're football fans. And people that are just dumb gamblers are going to bet on it for no reason. So ratings, marketing, love it. All right, next question. 
Alright, this just popped up on my timeline. Not a question, but it's kind of funny. Rashard Kazi just tweeted, Who the hell keeping Arby's in business? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love Arby's. But, oh! Eh. Did they just turn a triple play? I don't know. You must be ahead of me again. What are you, like, watching on 1.1 times speed or something? I don't know, dude. No, it was a. They don't need to do a triple play if there's already one out, yeah, dumbass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Whatever. We Ar- got a couple back. Arby's is good, underrated. All right, last question. This is from All Night. Do current incoming transfers have any effect on scholarship spots moving forward? That is a great question, and I have no idea. I was going to say, uh, this is a question for compliance. But in general, there's only a certain amount of scholarship spots. So, yeah, I think it affects it. How much? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to tag compliance in this. I, I have no idea how that stuff works. Um, there's probably going to be some weird, like, I mean, because of the extra year that everyone got, most people don't go to the NFL, so they're taking the extra year. Um, yeah. There's going to be, I don't know if it's going to make it tougher for incoming freshmen. There's going to be kind of like a, I don't know, a bottleneck of people at some point. But uh, I don't know. It'll sort itself out. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up. What else you got? We got softball action. Watched a couple of games on ESPN Plus. Loving my ESPN Plus subscription now. Yes. Um, Wish I could watch all, all the three baseball. of mine at once. <laughs> All the baseball, all the softball. Didn't turn out the way we wanted to with a loss to Florida State. Just knocked us out. But we did have a overall very good season. Huge congrats to everybody on the team. And softball, I did have a thing last weekend that I was paying $10 a run. Did not know that we'd be facing two like lights-out pitchers. <laughs> we only scored four runs. Please follow my Twitter at Money Moo UCF did make a $50 donation, extra $10 for a great season, ladies, um, to the Charge On Fund. Keep Charging On Fund. To the UCF Keep Charging On Fund. So that was great. And we just hit a guy on the head. All right. So now I'm ahead or you're ahead. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're watching it like 1.2 times speed or something. Hold on. Is the guy that got hit in the head on first? Yeah. Oh, I just showed him I, I just, replay of I just, him getting hit I just, in the head. Like trying to get the runner. Right, a pickoff, yeah. some would say. <laughs> <laughs> we should have went. I know, I was thinking that, but dude, I just, I can't. Got this, All obviously, right. and then Vegas. When are they throwing oh, the first? Oh, a throw, throw. Okay. Alright, I was, I don't know what the fuck's happening. Why are you happening. going to Vegas again? How many times have you been? It's in the last, like, six months. Once? It's your mom's. Well, it was just your mom's birthday. Like, what? Oh, you, that was Christmas or what? Dude, I went to a bachelor party in February. My mom's birthday is this week, June first. Happy birthday, mom! That's it. And you went some other time with your mom just recently. Yeah, we went in August. So three times in the last. And I went on a bachelor party in September too. <laughs> so once a quarter, solid for the bank account. I was up quite Whatever. a bit last trip, so... Um, Just sell another house. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, uh, last couple things. UCF tennis team had a great season, finished number 11 in the overall standings, and 
Uh, Gabe lost in the uh, the singles semifinals of the NCAA tournament. He had a great run there, so congrats to him. Also, our ladies track and field. We've got two of our runners going to Eugene for the track and field championship. Ashera Collins and Raina Jones in the triple jump. And then Raina in the 100-meter hurdles. Both freshmen, I believe, and they've been crushing it all season. I'm sure you've seen them on social media. So big congrats to them. I hate mentioning this guy's name, but Danny White really did leave us with top 25 athletics in every single sport, you know. And uh, I'm happy with uh, with where we're at moving forward. And looks like baseball's making a comeback. Uh, anything else you want to add? Yeah, the yard sale was recently up at UCF. I know you got quite the haul. Well, as the um, newest member of the shareholder society, I had first access. And would you like to share some of your Oh yeah, so I got um, got a bunch of jerseys. They had the jerseys stacked up in like numerical order. And I'm going through and I'm, I'm trying to find a number 9 for Killens. Well, actually, I went to 10 and 11 first. Those were obviously not there. But I'm going through it, and I see, you know, I'm going through the number nine jerseys, and there's one that's 2XL. I'm like, what? And I'm thinking, oh, this is Tristan Hill's old jersey. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I snagged that. Um, they had a bunch of really cool, like, workout gear and stuff. I know I got you a couple things. The Jordan Peach Bowl polo, obviously. Uh, one of the marquee memorabilia items in my collection now you get to have one, as well as Pav. And uh, a bunch of cool other stuff. Not many baseball jerseys. A little disappointed in that. But overall, I mean, they had so much stuff. And honestly, every single person that showed up got to get a football jersey. I mean, there was no shortage of anything. So great job by athletics and everyone involved to do this. You know, especially, again, having COVID and everything. This is a really cool chance to just see a bunch of other night fans and Get a bunch of cool stuff. This is the first time the uh, the Pegasus jerseys have ever been released to the public, besides, you know, the replica ones. So definitely super cool, and uh, can't wait till football season starts again. And we got to drive deep left. <laughs> it was foul. Oh. Uh, yeah, so thanks again for hooking it up, and um, glad to see everybody got a chance to get something out there. That's always a lot of fun, although I'm sure they had way more stuff because they haven't had it in, what, like three years? Well, the last, the last one was after the Peach Bowl, so that was 2018 spring, but we were supposed to have one last year, so that would have been two years. Now it's three. So yeah, it's a nice yeah, haul. So. But also the 17 one, or the 18 one, ho, double play, I think. Yeah. Did the guy get just, the third? Yeah, there was no outs. Okay, all right. Two outs, though. We still have four innings to you know score four runs, so... I think we're gonna we're gonna we're have good. a comeback we're good. here. We're good. We're good. We should have started recording this a little later because we're not gonna get <laughs> the ending to this. But whatever. No. Um, garage sale, awesome. Obviously, the first time they did it was eighteen. Did it again now. Very cool. Great way to raise money. If you haven't already, join the shareholder society if you can. It's a great tax donation. You get a bunch of cool, uh, exclusive stuff, including being first in the garage sale and a bunch of other private events and other cool stuff. And a lot of people say hi to you, which I've noticed. So now I'm not just a person with a Twitter account that has a lot of followers. I'm a legit. Gus, your Gus is number one. I wouldn't go that far. Oh, we got to drive deep right. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Double. 
Eight to three, USF. All right. It's just going to be that more epic of a comeback when we win. Uh, Another clip that was posted a couple days ago, LeBron James in his HBO show, The Shop, talking with Bad Bunny, Jay-Z, and some other guy I don't know. Um, I don't know any of those people besides (laughs) Jay-Z. Wait, is Bad Bunny, is that the... uh... Catch me outside, girl. Oh no! Oh, that's that's bad, dude. That's bad, Barbie. I think. What? Yeah, I don't think bad Barbie exists, dude. I swear, (laughs) dude. She's got like ten million followers on Instagram. It's B H A D, which I don't know where that came from. Yo, it's bad, bad baby. Yeah, it's a catch me outside, girl. Oh, bad. Well, that's not bad bunny. Or it's. Plus, Bad Bunny's a guy, not a girl. Dude, 17 million followers. Catch me outside. How about that? So anyway, the reason I brought that up is because they were talking about Bad Bunny being in the WWE for a match, and he had a train in Orlando, which brought up this huge debate about Orlando and LeBron kind of dissing Orlando, saying that he hates it because of the bubble, hasn't brought his daughter to Disney World, Said that if he was ever traded to Orlando, would immediately retire and not play. So a lot of people took offense to that. Actually, Mayor Buddy Dyer came out and said something about it. He spoke at my graduation. That's really all I know about him. He's a gator. Oh, I called him out for for wearing a gator mask. And uh, he posted something the next day with a UCF mask. I remember that. Mayor Buddy Dyer invites LeBron James back to the city beautiful. And? I don't know, there's a video. Right. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I mean, dude. I mean, does Orlando get a bad rap? Well, all right. Other so places? there's a couple different angles, but let's take it from the NBA angle. Dude, these players were there for like three months in a stupid bubble in Disney World. Like, of course, that's going to leave a bad taste in, in their mouth. And Orlando, unfortunately, is associated with that. The bubble could have been anywhere has nothing to do with the city around it. The, the bubble could have been in, I don't know, Lincoln, Nebraska. It wouldn't have changed. It still would have sucked, except when complaining about it, they'd have a bad taste in their mouth about Nebraska. It has nothing to do with the amazing city that Orlando is. But I get it. You know, now Orlando's kind of on the butt end of some jokes. But at the same time, Orlando isn't even Disney. That's not even really part of Orlando. Orlando's downtown and the UCF area. The theme parks and stuff are... That's the touristy stuff. So, you know, it looks bad, yeah, but Orlando's a great city. And anyone that lives there or has spent time there knows that, is what I would say. We don't want them anyway. We? As in, like, the Orlando The magic. Yes, we don't want LeBron. (laughs) So, anyway. All right. Wrapping it up. Yeah, great show. Uh... Thanks to everyone for listening. Oh, by the way, if you did the March Madness thing and we owe you a gift card, please DM me. <laughs> yes, please. I still have a bunch. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Follow us on Twitter. You know the handles. Go to First Watch. Go to First Watch. Two for move. Can't beat it. We'll see you guys next time. Go Knights. Charge on.
Contamination. Contamination.